This is the Action Network Podcast. Crushed it. It's good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, here with Sean Kerner, as always. And today we'll be talking about wide receivers, and we have a very, very special guest. My former partner in crime uh, at 4 for 4, uh, one half of the DFS MVP podcast back in the day when I was a part of it. Um, my guy, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 4 for 4. TJ, uh, I'm really glad to have you on. Thanks for coming on. What's going on, man? Yeah, man. Uh, good to be back. Good to be talking to you guys. Uh, just gearing up for this season like you guys. I mean, I've been uh, out in these best ball streets pretty heavy. So, I mean, we're going to be talking ADP today, which I think people not, might just be getting accustomed to. But we've been on this grind for a minute, right? Oh, yeah. It's kind of fun for me because this is the first year I've, like, gotten really deep into NBA. And it's, NBA obviously took, like, so much longer than it usually does. So, it almost oh, feels yeah. like back in the day, like, just kind of, like, jumping into fantasy and it feels it feels good it feels good sean uh how you feeling and it rained it rained in southern california sean what's going on man believe it or not raybon it, it does happen it's rare but it does rain here occasionally not my favorite but uh <laughs> it's uh it's also uh you know throwback thursday for everybody out there so tj i see you with the jersey why don't you tell them what you uh what you're rocking yeah, I got the uh, the 2015 um, Eric Decker Jets, uh, you know, arguably my best DFS year ever, mostly because <laughs> we're getting Eric Decker for 6K every week. They wouldn't raise a price. Um, so uh, throwing that. And then if we're in the green, I got to rock my ace. So the ace technically isn't a throwback, but it has the, uh, the 50th anniversary patch commemorating uh, the A's 50th year in Oakland. So that year they went to uh, the Kelly Green uh, every Friday home game. Uh, from 68 now they're pretty much just using the kelly green as much as they want but uh, one of my favorite hats and it matched the decker so i figured i'd throw it on yeah you know it's crazy i'm a, I'm a giants fan i'm from new york obviously but I, I honestly will give the jets i think the jets have the better jerseys especially throwbacks yeah. like i actually own i actually own multiple three jets throwback jerseys like i'm not even going to tell people because i'll let them see them as we they kind of unfold but sean i think this is the first time Somebody's rocking a, a baseball hat on, on a pod, challenging your hat game, man. <laughs> true, true. Lo- love the A's, so love the hat game. But yeah, this is an NFL pod, TJ. So. Yeah, no, I just I had, to, I had to, I had to give a little love, you know, to, to the A's if we're gonna if I'm having my green on. Yeah, man. And I, uh, I got on the the, the '98 Randy Moss. Um, this is one of my favorite jerseys. I actually traveled to the Mitchell and Nestor uh, in Philly. Um, to get this throwback, it was like impossible to find online. So, um, rocking the '98 Randy. Um, this is one of my favorite wide receiver seasons of all time, and one of my favorite receivers. So, that's what we're doing. But let's get right into this. These wide receivers, uh, TJ. I'll start with you, just because um, we're kind of switching gears. We were talking with Silver and Ratcliffe about quarterbacks. Um, now we're talking wideouts. So, uh, what's your kind of just general wide receiver strategy? Um, heading into this year specifically, because it kind of changes year by year, depending on the ADP and stuff. Yeah. Um, so what's your kind of general strategy um, in, in, in fantasy? And I know you've been playing a lot of basketballs. Yeah. Um, draft as many good ones as possible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless, unless I'm, I'm into the top four picks, like we are always kind of uh, depends on your ADP or how you're going to start out your draft. Right. So if you have a top four, top five pick, pretty much consensus running back. And I think that's probably the sharp move after you get to, to six is when you could really start making decisions. Um, so if I'm in the back half of the draft, it's usually a wide receiver or a tight end for me. Um, ironically, because Kelsey and Tyreek are right next to each other. I, I don't get as much Tyreek because I, I like taking Kelsey there instead. Um, so even though he is my wide receiver one, I just don't end up with him that much because of that reason. Um, and then I, I like to get another uh, like like a high end tight end, and then just keep loading them on pass catchers because the position is crazy deep. So you think the argument would be, well, then you don't need a top guy. But I really just want as many like close to top twenty four, top twelve wide receivers on my team, especially in PPR leagues. Like three wide receivers in the flex. I'm trying to start four wide receivers. I'm comfortable enough that 
I can figure out my running backs, especially this year. Like you said, we're seeing kind of ADP of those mid-tier wide receivers jump some of these, what we've called the running back dead zone before, but now they're kind of becoming outside of the dead zone because they're falling so far. So I, I always kind of default, if I'm not in the top four or five picks, like default to a zero running back strategy a lot just because I love loading up on pass catchers. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's it really does kind of depend on your draft choice, I think. Um, Sean, do you do you kind of uh, – where are you at with this strategy? Like is, t- is top four, top five kind of when you're um, first thinking about wide receiver? And I, I really thought what TJ said was interesting because we've talked about this a million times. So, um, like, are you also – on team Kelsey over team Tyreek. Yes, I'm on team Kelsey over Tyreek. Um, I, I just think the drop off of the positions um, too massive to pass them up. And, you know, the wide receiver position, I don't go in with a specific plan, um, but you know, like the drop off is just gradual through the entire position. So um, I, I usually pick the, the times where, um, you know, like running back, we'll talk about it in this pod, but running back when there's a steep drop off, I target running back, I fade receiver, knowing I can get, you know, an equal wideout a round or two later. So I think wide receiver, I have the most flexibility. Um, like TJ said, in, in best ball format specifically, you just need to load up. Yes, it's deep, but there does reach a point where you, you don't want to be stuck taking, you know, like John Brown as your wide receiver four or something. So you want to just be targeted as often as possible, but strategically. So it's, uh, you know, I go on every draft with an open mind when it comes to wide out. <laughs> Leave it up to us on a, on a wide receiver one pod. John Brown is like the second <laughs> wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have yeah, Eric Decker and John Brown. Talking uh, about yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. All we need is like a Nelson Aguilar yeah. reference, yeah. Like Kendrick Bourne or somebody. Um, but all right. So let's just, let's jump right in because uh, according to the fantasy pros consensus uh, average draft position, Tyreek Hill in PPR, Tyreek across the board, but I'm using the PPR. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the number one wide receiver taken. TJ, uh, I know you're going Kelsey over Tyreek more often than not, um, but is Tyreek Hill still number one on your board? And, and who is there anyone that kind of is a challenger to him that you could, could you think maybe before the season you would you would think about changing that? Yeah, to, when when we recorded. Um... Before we recorded this this morning, Ian Rappaport basically said that it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Um, so with with 100 percent Aaron Rodgers playing the the volume that Adams gets with a comparable scoring rate to Tyreek Hill just over the last three years. Um, I, I'm taking Adams um, now that we know Adams probably my 1.06 after the, the top five running backs. I'm throwing Zeke in there with the, with the big four. Uh, hey. So I actually I actually do like. Adams over Hill now that we're, it sounds like we're pretty sure that Rodgers is playing. I mean, I know there's a wide receiver pod, but I do like that Zeke call. Like I, I, we did a pod a few weeks ago and I was like, my favorite like dynasty target even is Zeke right now because his, his value is just so low. So uh, yeah. I do like that call. Um, Sean, where are you on this Tyreek versus Devontae situation? Given the news we just got about uh, Aaron Rodgers, which it looks like um, he will be back in Green Bay, but only for, for, for this year. Yeah, so I have Tyreek just a little bit ahead, but you can't go wrong with either. Um, you know, I think Rodgers is coming off of just, you know, a historic season. He had a 9.1 touchdown rate. Um, so, you know, Adams, I don't think he's going to score 18 touchdowns again, but I, I can't really argue taking either. I do like Tyreek um, just because, you know, he's, he's still in his prime at 27. Patrick Mahomes is only going to get better. I mean, Patrick Mahomes hasn't even technically hit his prime yet. So I, I like the idea of just investing in the offense as much as possible. Uh, and the Chiefs really did. They leaned on Tyreek even more in the second half of last season. You know, he, had 10, uh, he had 10 targets in five of the last seven games. Um, so we could see that massive usage again this year. Um, and he has, you know, he has a super high ceiling. We know that. But he does have a high floor now. Um, he had either 85 scrimmage yards or a touchdown in 13 and 15 games. So he's going to get you a great score every week. And he chips in those rushing stats that you, you only realize when you're making projections that he offers, you know, a higher floor with that as well. You know, he had three games with 20 or more rushing yards, chipped in a couple rushing touchdowns. So he adds that as well. Um, so he's still my number one wide receiver. And we saw, you know, he'll have weeks where he'll single-handedly win your matchup. Like that game against the Buccaneers, we had 200 yards in the first quarter and three touchdowns. Like he has that insane ceiling that I love to get as well. Yeah, I think for me, the only thing that kind of tilts me toward Devontae, if, if you know, Aaron Rodgers is good to go, is that, like, in KC, you have this Tyreek and Kelsey situation where I don't think it's – it's almost – it's just defense-dependent. Like, there's stretches where the defense is like, okay, 
we got to take away Travis Kelsey. He's our number one guy we're taking away. And that's what you kind of saw down the second half of the season. You know, Tyreek is going to go off a little more. Um, and then certain time, you know, if Tyreek has a big game early in the year, maybe defenses, you know, try to take him away a little more for the next six weeks. So it's a, I think it's a little more volatile. Whereas at Green Bay, and this is why Aaron Rodgers wants to weave. They have nobody there. Like Devontae Adams is going to get triple covered and he's still going to get open. And Aaron Rodgers is still going to hit him. Um, he scored uh, double-digit touchdowns in four of the last five years. He's had um, more than 1,370 yards in two of the past three. Um, so I, I don't think you can go wrong with either. And if I'm in a best ball, I'm probably going like, you know, 55% Devontae, 45% Tyreek if I have that pick 100 times. Um, but I, th- I lean slightly toward Devontae um, as long as Aaron Rodgers is good to go. Yeah, Rodgers might just do the – Middle finger, I'm throwing 95% of the time and 85% of them are going to Devontae. Yeah. Like with the 17 game season, Devontae might see like to over 200 targets this year. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think I mentioned that to Sean once. I think it was last year. It's like Devontae Adams is Aaron Rodgers, like fuck you target. It's yeah, like exactly. It's right. It's like, yep. okay, you guys don't want to give me anyone to throw to. You want to give me Devin Funches and all this other like, okay. Like, I'm just going to throw to Devontae every time. And Devontae yeah. is kind of like, oh, y'all going to triple cover me and not get me no help. Yeah. I'm still going to get open. I'm still yeah. going to break ankles. So uh, I, I like that. Uh, I like that combination uh, a whole lot, uh, as do Tyreek and, 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 and Mahomes, obviously. But I, like, I, I always have to remind people, I think, when we do a new, like, you know, number one receiver, number one, whatever position podcast, the first few rounds, you're not going to win your draft. Like, you're not going to win it. So don't, like, stress over Devontae versus Tyreek. Like, the only way that's really going to screw up is if one of them gets hurt. And, you know, they're both still in their 20s, you know, both of them, you know, relatively healthy um, in their careers. So um, I, I wouldn't stress it too much. Uh, let's go to uh, and it's an interesting top, you know, top tier here because Stefan Diggs, number three in ADP, TJ. I mean, this is another guy he could conceivably finish number one with the way the Bills started throwing it around the yard. And unlike, you know, like. Like he he actually has guys around him that take just enough pressure off of him to where he can catch those, you know, eight, nine balls a game. Um, what do you think about Stefan Diggs in relation to the top three and and in relation to uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going for? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think like, I mean, sure, I, Tyreek and, and Devontae are clear one too, I think. But um, I think that like next tier 1A or whatever, um, like you said, I don't think we really need to be crazy nitpicking about who we're going here, just that we have them together. We have these super high volume guys um, in Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I guess we'll probably get to this discussion in a second. I say in Calvin Ridley now too. Um, but yeah, the, the bills are an offense where he's going to be the clear number one there. Like you said, they're good. They're not going to have any great guys there. Emmanuel Sanders is, is good. He's just going to be another good guy. Um, he's, you know, 34 going to a new team, obviously an upgraded quarterback, but he's not going to cause Diggs to go down to like eight targets or something like that. Like Diggs yeah. is going to, Diggs is going to get his and uh, people look at this Buffalo offense last year. And I think a lot of people sometimes get in the trap of saying, Oh, this team's going to regress only because they have big numbers. Like big numbers doesn't mean a team's going to regress. Like their scoring rates were pretty much on par with how they were moving the ball. They were just moving the ball super effectively and they decided, Hey, we're going to throw as much as possible. I think they had a game where they ran like five times or something because passing works with this combo with this team and uh, Brian Dable's down to do that. So I actually don't think this offense is one that's really going to use the word regress much. Um, I think they can really sustain what they're doing, like we've seen um, with the Chiefs, uh, with the Packers. Yeah. And passing just works, period. Like the yeah. Bills are one of the smartest organizations, mm-hmm. uh, I think, in football. So, it you know, it kind of it doesn't scare me. You know, when, when a guy's on the Bills, it's like I'm never scared away. Uh, like even the running backs, I feel like you know they'll probably still pay off their ADP. Um, and, and then Stephon Diggs, I mean, Sean, how much? How many touchdowns do you have him projected for this year? Because he's never actually uh, had a double-digit touchdown season. He's eight, nine, six, eight uh, the last four years. Um, is, so he's got some room to grow. Yeah, he has some room to grow, but I'm projecting him eight point one. So not projecting the double digit touchdown outcome, although that's certainly possible. Um, but, you know, like TJ mentioned with the Aaron Rodgers news, I have Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams in tier one all by themselves. And there's a bit of a drop off. And then you have this next tier where I have Diggs at the top. He's my number three wide receiver. Um, and, you know, he was a, you know, a key factor in Josh Allen's year three breakout, but so is offensive coordinator uh, Brian Dable. So 
the fact that they retain both guys, like I think there's going to be enough continuity on this offense where I'm not expecting much regression at all. Um, you know, Dable dialed up the second highest pass rate in neutral situations. Um, he dialed up the most play action dropbacks for Josh Allen last year, which I think was a huge part in his success. So, you know, I, this is an offense I want to invest in. That's why I do like targeting digs if he falls to me, you know, at the end of the first round. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is the beginning of like uh, the second tier of the the elite wide receiver ones for me. Yeah, and I think Diggs is just, he's really impressive because remember the year before in Minnesota, he like the volume wasn't the greatest, but he was like the league's leading deep ball receiver. And then, you know, last year, he's he's the fantasy wide receiver three, uh, but he, he's, he's number 38 in deep yardage, uh, you know, so like he can just do it a bunch of different ways. That's why I like Diggs. Um, and then, and then we get to, to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I, I do have digs over Hopkins, TJ. Um, what do you think about Hopkins? I know that he's been in the news a little bit, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, he's going to be there in Arizona with, with a pretty good offensive mind in, in Kingsbury, good quarterback in, in Kyler, um, maybe getting some help at, at wide receiver. You know, they got more in the draft and, and, and AJ, of course, I don't know how much he can do, but what, do, what are your thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, I mean, he's. I think uh, regardless of of the new players there, his situation should be relatively similar. Like we saw Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald next to him, he still did his thing, and and those are the player. Those are the kind of volumes that uh, that the new receivers might get there. Um, they're going to throw it up to him. He's going to get his targets. Like the worry going into the offense last year was, is he going to be able to maintain this crazy dominant target share? And he did, uh, which a lot of people were surprised by. I, I tend to maintain that. Wide receivers that demand crazy high target shares usually keep those because there's a reason they have high target shares because they're really damn good receivers. Uh, so they're smart enough to keep giving it to him, throwing it up to him. Um, I mean, the only – I don't even have a knock on Hopkins. It's just that I think where ADP is wrong right now or consensus ADP is that Calvin really should be ahead of him. Ooh, Cal you're Sean, what do you think about that one? That's your guy, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that is not a hot, I agree with TJ 100% there. That's not even a hot take. I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, last year we saw Hopkins dot drop a bit, you know, it was 9.0. Um, but, you know, it, he, they gave him a ton of high percentage throws. So he had a 72% catch rate. Um, and, you know, despite the low dot, despite the low touchdown total six, which is insanely low for an elite wide receiver, he still had a massive weekly ceiling just based on his target share. Um, so he actually tied Devontae Adams for the league high with eight games of top, uh, top 12 wide receiver value weeks. Um, so he does still have a massive ceiling despite, you know, certain things about his playing style that doesn't contribute to that. So I love him. Although, like you mentioned, he is in the news. Um, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there if he'll play this year. I, I guarantee he'll probably play. But when it comes to like this tier, if there's any uncertainty, I just break the tie by, you know, picking somebody that's less uncertain. So that's why, you know, like Calvin Ridley, I would take over Hopkins right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm there yet. Um, Ridley and I love Ridley, but my one, like, I, I think there's some uncertainty with Ridley too. Um, number one is we really don't know how exactly um, Arthur Smith is going to affect that offense in terms of the volume. And, and I say that only because not because I think they're going to go back to like, you know, what they did in Tennessee, which is obviously predicated on having Derrick Henry, but because the Falcons did have like an outlying number of pass attempts over the last couple of years, right? Like they were not just like, they, they are the most pass heavy team in the league uh, pretty much throughout, you know, the last two years with, with Ridley here. And, you know, if that just goes back to like league average or a little bit above, um, that changes things. And also, you know, this is really his first, going to be his first full year. Like, I know he's had some big games without Julio, um, but this is going to be his, like, first full year as that number one every week in, week out, uh, you know, having to deal with that coverage, uh, you know, that primary coverage, all that, um, with, with more time to plan, you know, whole off seasons for, for these defensive coordinators are thinking like this as opposed to, like, oh, on a given week, Julio's out. We'll just change that, you know, our game plan. So um, I, I still think Hopkins can, like, I just think I think Hopkins still a more skilled receiver, um, so that that's I still have him over um, on Ridley, but I could certainly see the argument for it. And it's another situation where I in best ball probably going like 60, 40, 65, 35 Hopkins over Ridley, but um, by no means would I would I fade him. Uh, and then another guy who I think this is where another you know volume kind of comes into play, but another guy who's extremely skilled entering his prime, quarterback who always is going to put up numbers, so you know it's going to be there is DK Metcalf. Um, TJ, is there a teardrop off for you between 
Hopkins, Ridley, and then Metcalf, or is, is Metcalf kind of there for you as well? Yeah, I, th- I think Metcalf is is kind of where we start tier two. Like I think the guys we talked about tier one, one A and one B kind of. Um, I mean, the concern is I, I don't think they're going to be this crazy run heavy team that they were before, even though they did go back to hashtag establish the run after, you know, the first eight games or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, Metcalf, he's, that eight targets per game that he can see in that offense, um, that's quite a big difference from nine and a half, 10, 11 targets per game. Uh, that leaves room for a lot of volatility. And yeah, I mean, he he can be, uh, he is tied to Russ and, and he is going to put up these big games because he is a high A dot guy, but a lot high A dot and sometimes lower targets can lead to some really bad um, bus games. Um, and I think he'll have a couple of those in the bag and, and leave owners really frustrated. You're not going to take them out of your lineup, but I think there is a clear drop off. Of, you know, I'm putting Ridley back up there with those guys um, after Ridley and Hopkins to DK. And, and uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on, on Metcalf? Cause you know, it is a volume thing with, with him first and foremost. So where, where is he kind of tear in for you? Yeah, he's, he's at the bottom of the second tier. So I have Diggs, Ridley, Hopkins, and then Metcalf, um, then Jefferson. So, you know, uh, I think that Metcalf, you're sort of buying in on his upside because we, we haven't seen him hit his peak yet. So I like getting guys before they hit their peak. So um, I'm willing to overspend on a guy like DK. I do believe in him. I think, you know, it's possible that Shane Waldron is able to unlock, you know, Russell Wilson and DK Maps, uh, you know, true ceiling. So, you know, he's a guy where I, I think – his floor is so high that I, I don't see him busting um, at this range. So he, the fact that he has number one wide receiver overall potential, I'm all for targeting right here. Yeah, I, I should clarify. Like, I don't think he's going to – like, none of these guys in these top, like, six, like, I'm, I'm taking all of them where they're going. Uh, top seven, I should say. But, uh, like, I don't think Deke is going to bust. I think he could have some bust weeks, but I don't think he'll bust. Yeah, yeah. All. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to me because – I'm high on DK. I mean, he's actually going ahead uh, of Ridley in the consensus ADP. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's different for different sites. Um, but Metcalf's actually at five, Ridley at six. Uh, the reason I'm really excited about DK is because listen to the way we're kind of talking about him. Volume is a problem. You know, will they unlock Russell Wilson? Will they go, you know, be as run? They Maybe they won't be as run heavy as they were in the past. Seattle was 17th in pass attempts last year. DK Metcalf finishes the wide receiver six. Tyler Lockett finishes the wide receiver eight. Like there's a lot of production to go around on this team. And it may not have even hit its ceiling if Seattle can jump into that top 10 in, in, in pass attempts or something like that. So like, and, and that's, you know, Lockett, he's been pretty healthy these last couple of years. You know, I think Metcalf is more likely to stay healthy. He's a little bit, you know, just based on his body type and whatnot. So I mean, I think the sky's the limit for Metcalf. Um, I, I have no qualms with taking him uh, in the top five. I wouldn't take him over Hopkins. I could see the argument for taking him over Ridley just because, um, you know, again, I think there's, you know, if the Falcons go to a normal amount of pass attempts, Russell Wilson's better than Matt Ryan and so on. And I think Metcalf's a better receiver than Ridley. So um, it's, it's like, I'm not down on Ridley, but I could see Ridley anywhere in like that four to six range. Um, where, you know, it, not like locked into any one of those spots. Um, and, and I love Metcalf. I think Metcalf could finish his, if he gets a little more volume, um, cause he has room to grow 129 targets of all the top six wideouts. Um, he had the fewest targets at, at 129. Um, so there's room to grow there. Uh, Justin Jefferson now TJ, uh, there's another guy. I mean, the sky's gotta be the limit for him. First season, 1400 yards and, and seven scores on 125 targets. That's just ridiculous production per target, um, which you do expect to regress a little just because like that's godly, like that's hall of fame level stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess the question is how much regression in, and is he still, um, does he have one wide receiver, one overall upside, I guess is the question. Uh, he, I don't know if he has wide receiver one overall upside because I love all the other guys ahead of him so much, but um, I, I think he, I don't think he's much of a risk to finish below his ADP. Uh, we saw last year, you said they were a crazy efficient offense, the Vikings passing. Uh, obviously that had a lot to do with Justin Jefferson being there, um, but, but Cousins was also being very efficient when he was throwing to Adam Thielen. So I do think the offense as a whole will regress. What I do think will maintain is that over the second half of the season, we saw Justin Jefferson get that really huge target share that he didn't have in the first half. Uh, 
Average 10.1 per targets per game. That puts him on track with like the top three or four guys in the league. Uh, I think that's the part that stays, that huge target share. And Thielen is the one that gets hurt more from the, the offense's regression and probably Kirk Cousins' regression, regression as well. But uh, we see year in and year out, like the reason that we're really confident we're nitpicking these Tyree Kill, Calvin, uh, Ridley, Devontae guys is because we know that guys that can get that 10 plus targets per game, they're just going to ball regardless of how mediocre their offense might be a regression might might come into play um that volume is just unmatched and, and i think Jeff, justin jefferson reaches that like 27 percent target share league two that we love yeah and and that's something that you, you pointed out earlier tj like guys who get tar- like target shares are very sticky um mm-hmm. and, and that, that kind of translates to another stat which is a little less known but kind of, it's the same idea which is just targets per route run and like that's really what's going to kind of carry over and so when a guy like you see a guy like Jefferson you know put up good numbers in that area in in year one um, you kind of only expect it to continue and I mean you know there's really no one else um, you know it's Thielen who's on the I I would say still on the downside of his career but like those two guys are just locked into such a huge target share and then you're going to have Smith and and Cook kind of fighting for scraps but the target share is kind of very um, locked in, I would say, in Minnesota. You're not really going to have much at, at the last wide receiver spot. So, um, yeah, the, the sky's the limit for him. Sean, what do you think uh, of Jefferson? Yeah, I agree. The sky's the limit um, with Jefferson, where I, I think, you know, you can make a case for him being the wide receiver one in, like, dynasty formats. Uh, but for this season, I have him as wide receiver seven. Um, you know, the, the passing game definitely benefited from the Vikings' defense being below average for a change last year. Um, so it kind of forced them out of their run heavy ways. Um, so, you know, I, I think the defense will be a lot better this year. So that that could hurt them a bit. Um, and one of the things that the only concern I have with Jefferson, it's not really his fault, uh, but he and Thielen both posted a dud uh, around 25% of the time. That's they finish outside of the top 60. Um, and that's more of a symptom of this. This offense has a pretty low floor. You know, if they get a big lead, they're going to run the shit out of it. Um, it can hurt a guy like Jefferson. So that's that's my only fear taking him is he has a little bit lower weekly floor than other guys in this this range. But I consider him and um, A.J. Brown to sort of be the end of the wide receiver one like locks. So I'm fine scooping either Jefferson or A.J. Brown here before the position takes uh, a decent drop off. And then it's, you know, pretty much have eight to 10 receivers almost projected identically after them. So I do like scooping or I like having at least one receiver before these two are off the board. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. It's like, we're nitpicking between these guys, but I think that the biggest takeaway is, and, and TJ, you kind of hit it at the top is I, I think wide receiver going wide receiver heavy early in drafts is, is completely viable. Um, obviously you're not like it, it, it kind of, you know, you, you want to, to, to have running backs, but you have to go with the value. And so I think wait, waiting on quarterback comes back into play again, because it's like, we owe, everyone always tries to get around it or, you know, whatever, not, but it's, it's so important because if you, if you have a chance to take a tight end, you want to do that. Uh, but like there's these wide receivers now are higher floor than the running backs just because the league has turned it into, into a passing league. Would, would you agree? Like it used to be running backs for the higher floor yeah. picks early. Now I think wide receivers are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think outside of maybe Christian McCaffrey, like there aren't any running backs even close to them. People say, you know, Saquon Barkley's up there with them. And like, it's just, it's not. I mean, teams are throwing so much. And when you get these guys with like these 27% target share, 10 plus targets per game, um, they are insanely consistent. And that's, that's why we're taking them, um, why we're super comfortable taking them in first rounds a lot now, a lot more than we did even just five years ago. Yeah, and just to like underscore, you know, like when you, when you look back at like the league averages, you know, you go back to like 2010 and the league average pass attempts from from 2010 and before, um, you know, it was never high. It was like in the 33s, 32, 31. Um, But since it's been gradually climbing and, you know, last year it was 35.2, 34.9 in 2019, 34.5, uh, in 2018 and 34.2 in 2017 and the efficiency has been climbing too. So, you, you, you know, it, this is something that's real. It's that, t- you know, there's an extra pass attempt or two per game, you know, and, and that's why the landscape has shifted so much. But um, I, I do want to talk about another guy that's very, you know, Sean, you mentioned him, uh, AJ Brown, because I think I'm going Jefferson ahead of Brown because I, I, I look at both of them, both of them could be in, you know, somewhat low volume offenses, 
Uh, I don't love that Brown is getting more competition in, in Julio, but I just look at like Jefferson in, in year one compared to Brown and Brown had a great rookie year, like 1,050 yards, eight touchdowns, but Jefferson had 1,400 yards. So like, it's kind of like, okay, his year two, I'm expecting, I'm expecting like there to be a jump. Whereas Brown, you know, he, there's a little more, a, a wider range of outcomes, TJ. Uh, like, what do you think of, of AJ? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of struggling, not even just in this this podcast, but kind of all summer. Uh, well, not all summer, but since the trade that the Julio trade, if he's in this tier, if he's where the tier drops off, because uh, of the reasons you mentioned, they were uh, the Titans were 30th in neutral pass game rate last year, and uh, I know they have a new offensive coordinator, but they promoted within, which kind of suggests that things shouldn't change much. I think as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, I don't see this just because Julio's there turning into a team that's throwing it 40 times per game or something like that um and i mean when julio's healthy he's, he's still a baller he was on pace for 90 catches 1300 yards last year man i mean can he be on the field for 10 games i don't know but uh unlike justin jefferson who we saw last year trending towards that you know really high target share um aj brown was at 25 percent, but with julio there I don't know if it really has room to go up. I think it might stay the same and it might be fine. But um, again, he relied on touchdowns last year. He scored on 10% of his targets last year and was still barely a wide receiver one. Um, can he maintain that? I, that's almost impossible. So if he can't, he would need his targets to go way up. I don't see that happening either. So I think he's like on the fringe of even a wide receiver one. I don't think he was going to rake him 13th, but I think finishing outside of the top 12 is really in his range of outcomes this year. Yeah, and I hate to say it because I, I actually I love AJ Brown as a player. I, I don't think he's a guy that like again, I, I don't think we've hit a wide receiver yet that like I would say a fade at his ADP. Um, but and I'll throw this to both of you, TJ. I'll start with you. Like out of the guys we've touched on so far in the top eight, I, I would say AJ Brown's the most likely to bust. Um, yeah. what would you say? Uh, definitely most likely to bust because of kind of the things we said and the first player that I'm like really passing on if i'm if i'm coming back in the second round and it's between um all of these receivers and and kittle or waller uh aj brown's probably the only one i'm passing on for one of those tight ends what about you john um yeah his his adp seems about right um i think it is closer to his ceiling so you know i would agree that you know if you fade him you're, you're probably not gonna lose your draft because of it but I, I love investing in wide receivers entering year three at the age of 24. You know, uh, 2019, it was Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. I just had so many shares of that. Last year was Calvin Ridley. That's A.J. Brown this year, but, you know, his ADP is number eight. So <laughs> there's only so much room to grow. So that's why I'm, I'm looking elsewhere, like the wide receiver two range for guys with like massive upside. Whereas Brown, like you guys said, he does have a lower floor um, just because he does rely on that efficiency and we can't, we can't really project him to maintain this efficiency year to year. So he does need that volume to kind of raise his floor. But yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Like I'm okay passing him up here, but again, I think this is sort of the end of the true wide receiver one tier for me. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. Like I, I think, you know, year two, year three guys in their early twenties, um, they're not usually going to bust. I'm just kind of relatively right. to the rest of this field. I, I think he has the highest. I mean, every once in a while you do get like a Juju Smith Schuster or somebody that, you know, starts off a little better than, and then it kind of goes downhill a little bit due to, you know, whatever. Um, there are some of those factors, I think, present with AJ. But um, Michael Thomas, here's an interesting one because, uh, what was it, this time last year, I mean, he is, we're talking about him potentially as, you know, do, do you take him over like uh, 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 Zeke or Saquon or somebody like that? Now he's the wide receiver nine, TJ. Uh, there is uncertainty in New Orleans, is that enough to drive Michael Thomas down to, to the number nine, or is, is that still too high or, what, or too low? Like, what are you thinking? Well, is, I mean, is, did he, they're saying seven games, right? Now, is that what came out last week? That he might not be back to week seven with his yeah. with his ankle Eventually, surgery? Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, I just, I don't even think he can really be on my draft boards if his ADP stays anywhere like in the top 24. Um, like, I, I just, I don't know how I, I draft Michael Thomas, not even know. If, if the Saints are really bad and they're they're two and six, are they gonna be like rushing Michael Thomas to come back? Or if they're two and two and five, are they gonna rush him to come back? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because like, it's funny because his ADP really hasn't, and that's what I'm kind of, you know, hinting at is like, this is a guy who's, he can, he has that one, number one wide receiver upside, but 
his ADP really hasn't adjusted for um, the news, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think it will, but I personally, I'm, I'm kind of on your side. I don't really like to take guys that are injured heading into the year. Like yeah. there's a difference for like, I, and it sounds crazy, but I I'll take a guy like Will Fuller, like ahead of his ADP more often than I take a guy like, you know, Michael Thomas or, or Debo Samuel last year, I think it was, you know, like, I, I just, I really think that's like, you're putting yourself at, at a, at somewhat of a disadvantage just because it, oh, you, these guys are going at a spot where it's like, these are valuable picks, but um, Sean, I know you, you're, you're, you kind of like taking some risk with some of these guys sometimes. Where are you on, on Thomas? Yeah, normally I do like to take like an injured guy like this, usually ADP overreacts the other way, but I'm with you guys. Like if, if you look at, um, you know, the, the date filters for ADP sites um, I saw like for best ball tens, he's still being drafted in the 18 and 21 range mm-hmm. after the news broke. So I'm out. Like I rather have T Higgins or Jamar chase, like why not? So uh, you know, he would have to fall. I would say like um, outside of the top 25 for me to even like think about taking him because even when he does return, there's still question marks, like who's going to even start at quarterback, how that's going to work out for him. And he might not even be 100% at all this year. Um, I, I don't like taking wide receivers specifically that are dealing with a foot injury. Um, so there's just too many question marks for just just give me T. Higgins or Jamar Chase in that range instead, um, and I'm happy. And not not to deal with the headache of Michael Thomas. But, yeah, most a lot of the times I do take on this risk, but in this situation, I'm fading completely. Where, where do you guys think his ADP will, will settle at? Over the last – two days on underdog it's wide receiver 19 but that still seems crazy i'm sure that could miss half the season at least 25 i'm 25. saying at 25 like you said it once there's more clarity that like i would say if he's like actually placed on the pup list um i think that would trigger it to drop to 25 even 30 but i think people are just optimistic he's just gonna miss a couple of games right now so you, all you need is one person in the draft to really like him right to yeah yeah for sure yep. yeah so that's why i think eventually i think it'll settle in the 25 30 range Cause he's on the PUP list now, just not, he's on the training, like the, the right. Yeah. So like, like I guess they have, they have a bye week five. So, you know, I could see them just being safe, put him on the PUP list. And then he returns like week seven, yeah. I think it is. So. Yeah, this is, I mean, to me, like we talk about a guy, like this is a guy that, I mean, he should not be going like his ADP sh- like should be dropping precipitous precipitously. Um, but this is a guy that could bust. And I think it was another one, like much more so than even a guy like AJ Brown, who we're just kind of nitpicking and talking about him relating to like the, the other top eight, like Michael Thomas could bust, even if he was completely healthy, I think just because of, you know, what we've kind of, you know, Drew Brees is a special kind of quarterback that they had a certain kind of offense with Brees where they had to kind of rely on Thomas because Brees, you know, couldn't get the ball as far down the field as he wanted to. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks with, with Michael Thomas, especially given given the news um but he yeah he's on the pup right now not officially on the regular season pup yet but that that is expected so i i would i would take his ap with a grain of salt um let's move on to uh keenan allen who i mean keenan allen just one of the best route runners in the league uh tj i mean he's got a quarterback entering year two he's got a you know Hunter Henry no longer there. Jared Cook comes in. That's probably a positive for for Allen in terms of target share. Um, you know, any thoughts on, on on Allen? This is another guy I think has number one receiver upside. I mean, he's been we've seen him do that for stretches. Um, what are your thoughts on Keenan? Yeah, Allen's a weird one for me because um, to to like stay up in this tier, he really needs a lot of red zone targets. He will get those. Um, so like his volume is going to be kind of similar to a lot of the guys we've already talked about, but it's not the same type of volume uh he's a weird player like a lot of players that gets this much work those you'll see their air yard share well above their target share so like a calvin Ridley last year it was crazy but he, he had 25 percent target share with like a 40 percent target share a lot of people you see around like 23 with 35 percent target share uh keenan allen's one of the few guys that has lower air yard share than he does target share um so it's just kind of a long way of saying that like he really needs touchdowns to, to compete with these guys and, and they need to be uh, touchdowns near the red zone, near the end zone. Um, so I mean, he just isn't going to, to boom as much as these guys are. And I think that keeps his, his weekly ceiling down a little bit and his overall season ceiling uh, down a little bit as well. Sean, where are you on uh, Keenan Allen? 
Yeah, this is uh, where the wide receiver really opens up. I think you can make a case for like six to eight different wide receivers to be in this slot. So uh, I'm not a fan of taking guys atop of a tier. I like taking guys at the bottom of a tier. So I'm probably fading, but at least with Keenan Allen, you know what you're going to get. I mean, right, you're going to get 100 plus catches and seven, eight touchdowns. Just write it in. Um, so he, he provides value that way. Uh, but at this point in the draft, I do prefer upside. Um, and one of the slight concerns I have is, you know, he's turning nine this year and his efficiency is starting to drop. Um, you know, last year he had a 1.82 yards per route run, which is his lowest since 2015. Um, but like you mentioned, he's such an excellent route runner. He's always open. He's going to get targets no matter what. Hunter Henry's gone. You know, the wide receiver three role is sort of wide open. Um, so he's he's going to get a massive target share. But give me Mike Williams way, way later at run, you know, the wide receiver 40 range. I'd rather invest in Mike Williams in this. Is, it, is it actually Mike Williams season? I keep seeing it and I haven't, I haven't been convinced yet. Oh uh, yeah, I think so. De- definitely at his AVP. He's definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely worth it as AVP, but uh, I, I think Keenan Allen will obviously outscore him, uh, but it won't be as much as the difference between ADP. Yeah, I mean, you talk about yards per route run, even if you just look at yards per catch, you know, a lot more basic of a stat, but uh, 2017, 13.7, 2018, 12.7, 2019, 11.5, 2020, 9.9. So, you know, TJ, to your point, those air yards, uh, they're going down. You know, he's, he's, yeah. not, he's not able to do as much per catch. And so another guy that he has upside, but – he has downside. I think he's, I think it's fair to kind of put him in the top 10 in, in PPR uh, because like he's like Sean said, you know, hundred catches, but like, I like a guy uh, like Terry McLaurin, who's another young guy um, that really probably hasn't scratched, like hit his ceiling yet. Um, but really impressive his first couple of years. Uh, what do you think about Terry McLaurin uh, for 2021 TJ? Uh, I, I love Terry McLaurin as a player. Um, he's he's probably one of the best all-around young wide receivers in the league. Um, he has sh- really shined in Matt Harmon's reception perception, which just shows how great a receiver he is. Um, I think his role in, and this offense overall um, aren't as exciting or maybe have more speed bumps than people might realize. Uh, Curtis Samuel coming over there. Curtis Samuel is another really good receiver that uh, just – really got misused for some reason last year. Like we saw, you just talked about a dot, like that's usually one of the stickiest stats from year to year. And last year, uh, Curtis Samuels fell off a cliff. So he's going to give McLaurin a lot of uh, competition for those high volume, deep targets. Uh, We know that Logan Thomas is still there. And then they got two running backs that catch the ball pretty good. Everybody is talking about like, listen, I'm, I'm all about the Ryan Fitzpatrick life. It's magic life. Uh, I'll buy him in best ball, but like, a lot of people are talking like he doesn't offer downside in an offense. He offers a lot of downside in an offense. There's a reason he hasn't had a, a starting continuous starting job for a long time. Uh, Cause he'll mess up a lot and turn the ball over and, and ruin the offense for you. Like he'll boom, but man, he could bust an offense too. So this offense has a whole, has a lot more downside than I think people are giving the credit for this year. I mean, I, I actually disagree on the Samuel part. I'm actually worried. And Sean, we've talked about this too. So I'm, I'm curious to, to kind of hear you weigh in, but like, TJ, we've like, I think Samuel was misused two years ago. I think he was used exactly right last year. Maybe not for fantasy. Like, maybe we didn't want to see his ADOT go down for fantasy. But as far as I can tell, he's just not good down the field. Like, so it's like in 2019, he was, he had a high ADOT, but he was very inefficient. I think his catch rate was like around 50% or something like. And last year, you saw. He was also catching balls from Kyle Allen. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. (laughs) But like last year, um, yeah, you, you saw the ADAT go down, but I think he was he was more consistent. I, you know, he kind of put up similar numbers, um, you know, it's just in a different way. And I'm actually worried that um, for him specifically, that they do try to use him the way they did in 2019, because, you know, there is history and connections there, um, you know, from Washington to that Carolina season in the coaching staff and whatnot. But uh, the fact that they got Adam Humphreys kind of worries me because Humphreys has to be your slot, which does put Samuel on the outside. But either way, I think all of this, this uncertainty to me is just great for McLaurin because it just it's just like, all right, he's going to continue to be the target monster because I just don't think Samuel gets open downfield the way he does underneath. But but Sean, I mean, like, where are you on, on, on this situation? 
Yeah, again, like I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a great receiver, but this is the range where I'm, I'm usually just waiting on guys that fall to me at ADP because I think the next six to eight guys are interchangeable. Um, you know, McLaurin's been able to put up solid wide receiver two numbers with Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, and Alex Smith. So I'm excited to see what he does with um, Fitz. Um, and I did a little dive, you know, like deep ball accuracy and like what he was, what kind of targets he was getting. Um, at a 65 wide receivers saw 10 plus targets of 20 air yards or more last year. McLaurin actually saw it like the 13th highest rate in terms of catchable balls. Um, but he was only able to haul in, you know, the 31% um, out of those uh, 31st uh, catch rate out of those 65. So that's, you could put that on him. So, you know, I, I think Fitz will give him more deep balls to catch that will kind of make up if this inefficiency sort of continues. Um, but, you know, like like you guys are mentioning, there's there's only so many targets to go around. You have Curtis Samuel there. Adam Humphreys we're talking about might be more uh, of a target hog than people are thinking. Um, Logan Thomas still, you have great pass catching back. So I'm just a bit worried that McLaurin's target share is going to take a dip this year. So I'm not, uh, I do have him ranked 10th as well, you know, as ADP, but I'm just not willing to, to buy there. Cause I really do think that that's probably his ceiling. Yeah. I think I, I'm willing to buy it. I mean, more so just because of the, like the age, I think he's just a really safe pick. Like I, and I think, I don't think like what's going on around him is going to affect that much. I mean, you had Logan Thomas have a career year. You had JD McKissick have a career year. I mean, there's guys that could like lose target share. Um, so like, I, and you know, if Fitzpatrick's turning it over or doing like doing making risky throws, I don't think it really affects. It actually is probably good for for fantasy because Washington's defense is going to be good, and I think that more than anything would be would give me pause about a guy like Terry McLaurin. Is is that you know the defense is so good that they want they might not have as lot of, as many of the shootouts as a guy like Keenan Allen because I don't think the Charger defense will be very good this year. Right? Not as good as it's been um, in years past. Uh, another player kind of similar. You know, the defense has been kind of trending down a little bit. Um, but this guy has been getting the, the target share, and that's Allen Robinson. Um, TJ, what are your thoughts on, on A-Rob and, and him in relation to guys like Keenan Allen and Terry McLaurin? Yeah, I think, like, in, in this tier, like, the, the back half the, or the back third of wide receiver ones, he's the one that I'm, I'm most likely to draft. Uh, we've always talked about, like, if Allen Robinson ever had a good quarterback, then uh, he would be the wide receiver one every year, obviously. That's, like, a, a little hyperbolic, but uh, you know what I mean. Uh, so, I mean, I, I we don't know if Justin Fields is going to start right away, but we do know that um, Allen Robinson is going to be um, the one uh, – you know, they, they just got rid of Moody and that, I don't think that was going to affect his status much. Miller. They're, they're, uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I don't think that's going to affect his status much, um, but uh, he's going to be the number one there. Um, anyway, he 10 plus targets per game guy. I think he's one of like five or six wide receivers with 100 catches in his range of outcomes for him. It's always how much can he get in the end zone? Uh, so I, obviously Andy Dalton isn't going to make the offense as good. Um, but if, you know, if, um, not Terry, I'm sorry. If Allen Robinson could find the end zone seven or eight times, um, he's probably one of the safest picks in this range just because of that hundred catch uh, upside. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been high on him, higher than most these last couple of years. I love, you know, age 26, age 27, the last two years, still age 28. So still um, in his prime. I do worry a little bit about, you know, more quarterbacks but in like it he's had Mitch Trubisky he's had uh you know he's had a kind of deal with with this with like a substandard quarterback already and he's had Bortles he put up a big year with with him uh, as well although also a bad one but um yeah I think he's one of the more kind of unexciting unsexy picks uh Sean where are you on on a Rob yeah I feel the same you know he he has a safe safe target share especially after Anthony Miller was traded away. You know, it's going to be a competition between Daz Newsom, Marquise Goodwin, and Demir Bird for the number three role. So, you know, he's a safe bet for a bunch of targets. But again, th this range, you know, I'm more um, willing to kind of fill my second running back slot with like a David Montgomery or Chris Carson in this range and waiting to get like, you know, CD Lamb, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup round or two later when James Robinson and Chase Edmonds are being taken. I think just there's such a big drop off at running back from here you know, to the next couple rounds that you can get a similar, you know, I'm projecting Robert Woods and Cooper cup just for like two to three points less than a Rob. So that's why I love a Rob, but just, I'm more willing just based on my draft strategy to punt at wide receiver in this range and just target a running back in most of my drafts. I'm not punting yet. I think 
I'm still taking guys like A-Rob. Like, and that's the thing. It's like we're kind of nitpicking between them. But in reality, I do want as many of these guys as I can get. Um, there's still a lot of question marks in the running back tier. I, I do like some running backs kind of in that late round zero running back tier that, that TJ mentioned earlier. But, um, yeah, there's, it's just there's not as much to say about A-Rob just because he is kind of locked into the target share. You, you do wonder about the quarterbacks, but – um, the bottom line is he's going to, he should get 25 to 30% of the, those targets. Um, and if the bears defense kind of keeps trending downward, it's, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is. Cause there's just going to be, there's going to be more than enough volume up, up for grabs. This is action network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. We got a, a good amount of time, so I want to kind of dive into this one a little bit, which is, and I'll start with you, TJ, like of the guys we haven't mentioned yet, um, could be any ADP, but, you know, I guess we'll start near, nearer to the top in that wide receiver two range. Um, who do you see that, like, not, who's not in the top 12 in ADP right now um, that has that, um, you know, top 12 upside. Let's start with just guys in the 13 to 24 range, like in that wide receiver two range. Yeah. So uh, the two guys that really stand to me, stand out to me are more towards the bottom of the range. Um, I mean, there's, there's a cu- couple of receivers that I think Sean likes, but I don't want to steal his thunder, but uh, <laughs> the, the two that really stand out to me are uh, Cooper cup and, and Tyler Lockett. Cooper cup is in a uh, passing game with a super concentrated target share between him and Robert Woods. Uh, we saw Robert Woods finished as a wide receiver 13 last year with basically the same uh, volume while cup was down wide receiver 24, I think. Um, but that was really just came down to touchdowns. I know Robert Woods has a little bit of rushing upside there that's not accounted for with cup um but cup only scored on 2.4 percent of his targets and that came with a huge drop off um in red zone he was 10th in red zone targets from 2017 2019 uh he was 37th in red zone targets last year so i think we see that bounce back a little bit this year with more efficient offense with stafford there and i think that scoring normalizes a little bit i mean in this team i don't know if cup like if he breaks the top 12 it's probably like as the wide receiver 12 um but i think People are taking Woods with eight or nine uh, wide receiver spots ahead of them. Really, their seasons could look very similar. Like we could see Stafford support two top 20 guys, and, and it could really come down to a touchdown or two, which one ends up as the wide receiver 12, which one's the wide receiver 18. Yeah, I think Cooper Cup, it's interesting. Cooper Cup, I mean, I think Woods is getting a little slept on, too. I would argue he has that same kind of upside with Stafford. Um, yeah. But it, it's funny because Cup, you know, he has a great year but he kind of, he finishes with like, you know, having not as many routes run. I think it was the year before. And then last year, um, kind of quiet compared to usual. And and he's, it's just all of a sudden people aren't talking about him, but you know, they did upgrade at quarterback. Um, they'll probably go pass heavier because of it. And then your center, your offensive centerpiece, Cam Akers goes down for the year. So like yeah. if Rams yeah, could be, this could be like the past heavy, like Sean McVay's not playing around here. Like he, you know, he wants to win. He's, they've gotten really close. And if he feels like, you know, Matthew Stafford to Woods, Cup, Higby, Deshaun uh, is, is better than handing off to some combination of Daryl Henderson and Xavier Jones 25 times a game, which it is, uh, this team could throw like 650 times. Yeah. So I, I, I would say Woods and Cup um, are on that list for me. But um, Sean, who do you got 
guys that uh, that aren't going in the top 12 right now that have that like legit um, wide receiver one upside or the most wide receiver one upside? Uh, I mean, I feel like this one's too easy. It's CD Lamb for me. Um, he already flashed wide receiver one upside um, last year when he finished wide receiver 12 in weeks one through five when Dak was actually healthy. Um, he should only get better in year two. And he was only, I keep complaining about this, but he was only playing about 70% of snaps last year. Um, so, you know, they're moving around the formation. I see him as he should be over 90%, but anything in the 80 to 90% range, I think he has, um, you know, low to mid range wide receiver one upside and Amari Cooper is dealing with this ankle injury. Who knows if he'll be a hundred percent to start the year. So I love getting lamb right now at uh, wide receiver 15. Yeah. If, if lamb doesn't, if his routes run, don't go up, I'm going to start calling him CD oh. Cole Hardman because, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. because it's like, bro, I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, why? No, I, but Sean said like, it's kind of cheating, but it's kind of not because there's like this weird thing when there are situations like Dallas, where there's an insanely good offense. And then they have three wide receivers going relatively high two going really high. And people want to avoid them because they're like, not all of them mm-hmm. can ball one, maybe all of them can. And two, I just want to be buying pieces of really good offenses. If we're not sure you want to bet, hopefully that we get the one that breaks out. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but this offense is going to be ridiculous. And I want as many pieces of it as possible. So the, the idea, like a, a lot of people, I think will avoid it because CD and Mario are going so close uh, to each other. I'm, I'm encouraging it because if we knew who the wide receiver one was going to be, and he's need like a 25% target share, that guy would probably go in as like wide receiver seven or eight. So in theory, you're kind of getting a discount when you do get them down here. Yeah, I, I love it. That's It's kind of the same thing with the with the, the Woods and Cup scenario where yeah. it's like people don't want to, to, to touch him. And, and I have another one and another guy that's going, you know, Again, now we're just talking about guys that have that top that that top 10, top 12 upside, you know, which everyone does, but guys that I think have the most. And it's another guy who is on a team where you have two guys and one is sexier. But Tyler Lockett, like every year people forget about him. He's going as the wide receiver 21. 2018, wide receiver 16. 2019, uh, wide receiver 13. Last year, wide receiver 8. He's staying healthy. Um, he will have some 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 duds, but I mean, everyone outside of that top five, six will. And um, but when he puts up points, he's putting up them up in bunches and like he legitimately could outscore, you know, all but like five, six, seven, eight wide receivers in the league, um, you know, this year, even with DK Metcalf hitting his ADP value. So because that's what happened last year. Metcalf was six, Lockett was eight. So he's another guy I think people sweep on way too much. He's ultra consistent maybe not as sexy anymore as it used to be um, but remember Russell Wilson's throwing 30 plus touchdowns like it, every year year in year out that's what he does I believe it's five of the past six years um, and, and Metcalf and Lockett are, are pretty locked in to that target share so I love Lockett uh, at number 21. Yeah you, you just said something right at the end that I, I was gonna I think some people either didn't hear it all or like gonna be like what are you talking about you said he's super consistent he all of a sudden got this crazy boomer bust label because his points came in in these huge games last year and i think people think that's the norm but it's not he's used in intermediate routes he's using deep routes russell wilson is one of the most efficient passers in history it's a super concentrated target share like his season was an outlier but he's not a boomer bust guy he's a guy that could get you really steady points with a lot of upside yeah, and it's it's funny because I think, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in the Metcalf discussion about, will, well, if they finally unleash, unleash Russ or whatnot. But I think Metcalf probably is like, a, a you know, in that six to ten range either way, five to ten, like no matter what happens. He was there last year. But if, the, if Seattle does kind of open up the offense, I think it's Lockett who really benefits because, you know, as you mentioned, he's the guy that, you know, if you're doubling Metcalf over the top, Lockett's the guy that's going to go underneath. He's going to come out of the slot. He's going to get that like five yard out for the first down on third down. Um, you know, like that's, that's what Tyrell Lockett can do. So I, I really think 21 is too low um, for him. And I, I, I think that's a great point, TJ, about just the pairings in general um, are, are kind of, they scare people away. Um, so I do want to get your, both of you guys' thoughts on another pairing. And we've seen Mike Evans do this in the past. Last year, he was the wide receiver 11 on only 109 targets. He had 13 touchdowns. Any thoughts, uh, TJ, on Evans and Godwin and just, you know, this Tampa receiving situation? Like, are any of those, do any of those guys have legit wide receiver one upside uh, this year? Or is there, are there just too many guys there uh, for that to be the case? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards there's too many guys there. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we can we keep saying that like Brady has to fall off at some point. I mean, I, I, I don't know how we can just like keep projecting them to be as good as they were and then he keeps doing it. But there are a lot, a lot of mouths to feed there. Um, uh, Godwin, Mike Evans. I know Gronk is the Gronk he used to be, but they got some pass catch running backs as well. Um, and I mean, don't for Antonio Brown. Don't forget the fact that like. OJ Howard was seeing a decent amount of targets like before he got hurt. So he could throw like even if he takes away one or two targets uh, from these guys, but it's it's already diluted targets like that's significant. So if Brady spread the ball around, uh, you know, relatively evenly, they all kind of cannibalize each other. So, I mean, uh, uh, Evans target are not target share touchdown share was just another guy. Like we talked about with AJ Brown, that it was just through the roof. And that's obviously not sustainable. And the way to make that up is with volume. And he's just not somebody that's, you know, going to catch 85 balls. Yeah. Sean, where are you on the, on the Tampa Bay guys in terms of like, we'll talk about it more obviously, but just like on their wide receiver one upside, like where, what do you think their odds are? I, I don't think you go wrong. It kind of brings me back to what TJ was saying about the Cowboys receivers. Um, I think about it similarly, like we can nitpick them, but just give me one of them. I just like investing in pieces of the offense. I keep bringing up, well, first of all, I'm not betting on any kind of regression with Tom Brady. If anything, I keep saying, <laughs> I keep getting flashbacks of that Peyton Manning first year where he had almost similar stats. And then the next year he broke records. Like the fact that Brady did that with barely any off season scares me. So like, I want to invest in these Buccaneers pass catchers, even a guy like Mike Evans. Yes. He's touchdown dependent, but he scores touchdowns. So I'm willing to overlook that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, week three last year was the most Mike Evans line ever two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. Like give me that any day of the week. Right. So I'm not going to pick these guys. Um, I I think there's, you know, there's a lot of guys in that range. I prefer over them, but like investing in any bit of this Buccaneers passing game, I think is worth it this year. And, and another guy who finished top 10 and was very reliant on touchdowns, um, but obviously is not going in as a wide receiver one this year is Adam Thielen. And, and I know we're all pretty high on Jefferson and, and his, his ceiling, sky's the limit in terms of his ceiling. Um, but TJ, where are you on, on Thielen in terms of just his like wide receiver one, like the odds of him repeating his wide receiver one? Cause I know you're big on the touchdown regression and 13 touchdowns, 19 red zone targets, 10 of 13 uh, inside the 10. I mean, what do you think about the, the potential regression coming from him? Yeah, I mean, just just to kind of drive that point home, um, you said that most of his stuff just came from from the red zone. But if we look at his overall touchdown expectations, he should have only scored about eight touchdowns. I do a study every year that looks at um, touchdown rates from basically every yard line on the field, so we don't just get like a a, a, um, a rate that is off because of like those high red zone numbers. So even if we look at his overall uh, number, he scored six touchdowns over expectation. That was the second highest in the league, and and uh, that study those numbers almost always regressed to the mean. It's been one of the most predictive studies I've done from year to year. Uh, so his, his numbers are, are going to fall way off. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just – I haven't even really been – I don't think I have maybe one share of Thielen uh, so far this year, and, and that's over nearly 100 drafts. Yeah, and he's he's going as the wide receiver 19. Um, Sean, he's he is turning 31, too. Is that a guy – because I know you like investing in guys kind of on the front side of, uh, of their careers and, and when there's still room to grow. Is Steven also a guy you've been fading, um, seeing as how he's about to turn 31? Yeah, I'm probably fading him. Not not so much because of his age, um, but, you know, the, we already mentioned it, like the touchdown regression is coming. I'm projecting him for 8.7 touchdowns. Um, but also, you know, this offense, like I said – um, you know, it, it'll probably become a little bit more run heavy this year with, with the defense likely improving off of last year. You know, we know Mike Zimmer likes to, you know, have a great defense and run the ball. So I just think that a little bit worried about the volume. But either way, I think when it comes to these top two Vikings receivers, they at least have, you know, a locked in target share. We already mentioned, you know, they only have like those two receivers and Irv Smith. And that's pretty much it. So I think you can't really go wrong with feeling, but you really do need that touchdown um, stickiness to to stay but you know i'm projected for 8.7 so he's my uh, wide receiver 21 i'm probably fading him at adp all right let's uh let's finish up with uh a couple of questions uh i'll start with we'll start with our top five our personal top five uh wide receiver rankings for 2021 uh tj i start with you 
Yeah, I think we kind of touched on it uh, earlier. I'm I'm going to give Adams the slight edge over Tyreek as my wide receiver one because we did get news when we recorded this today that it looks like Aaron Rodgers is expected to play. Um, so after the top two, I was really tempted to put Ridley as my three, um, but I, I kept Diggs there. Like we can't ding uh, Diggs against Ridley. Like Ridley's in an improved situation where he's going to be the target hog, but uh, we can't uh, we can't ding Diggs when he's already in that situation. Uh, so Diggs three, uh, Ridley four, and then Hopkins right out the top five for me. What about you, Sean? My top five wide receivers are Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and I'm going for my top five wideouts with Devontae Adams, number one, Tyreek Hill, number two, Stephon Diggs, number three, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number four, and then Calvin Ridley uh, to round out the top five. Uh, PJ, our last question, most overrated wideouts in the top 12. I know we touched on it earlier, but who you got for most overrated? Most overrated fantasy wideout, not overrated real wideout, uh, in the top 10 for me is A.J. Brown. He had a 10%, over 10% touchdown rate last year, scored six touchdowns over expectation. Uh, only other receiver in the top 24 um, uh, with fewer targets um, than Adam Thielen. Uh, barely finished as the wide receiver one with six touchdowns over expectation, as I mentioned. And with Julio there, I don't think there's a lot of target volume to go up for A.J. Brown. John, what about you? Um, so I don't want to say they're overrated because let me be clear. These are two very talented wide receivers. I would love having them on my team, but Keenan Allen and Tamar Corn, they just don't fit in my draft plan. Um, you know, I think they sit atop a massive wide receiver one wide receiver two tier where you can get another wide receiver, you know, and a round or two later. So um, I typically target a second running back around them, like Dave Montgomery or Chris Carson. And then a round or two later, guys that you were gushing over, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. So I just think that my draft plan, I typically fade these guys, not because I don't think they're good wide receivers. They just don't fit in my draft plan. Yeah, I think if we're talking about guys who are most likely to bust in those top two tiers, it's probably A.J. Brown. But I'm going to say most overrated on the overall top 12 um, is Keenan Allen, just because, I, you know, the yards per catch has been going down. Um, the age is, is increasing and, uh, and we just don't know anymore if he can really still kind of give you that those ceiling performances, even on high volume. Um, and we started to see him struggle with injuries last year. And then it, I, sh I, don't, I shouldn't even mention him because it's kind of cheating because his ADP is pro will probably be a bunch of spots lower by the time you guys actually hear this. But Michael Thomas should be nowhere in the top 12, much less the top 24. So um, those are my two guys for most overrated. Uh, TJ, uh, really want to thank you for doing this. It's good to be uh, back on the pod, potting with you. Um, be, tell everybody uh, what you're up to over at 4 for 4 and, and where they can find you. Yeah, uh, easy to find. Uh, Twitter is at TJ Hernandez. All of my work is um, at 4 for 4. Uh, we're right around the corner from DFS season. So we got a lot of DFS stuff in the works. Obviously, we've been talking redraft here and, and I've been talking best ball offseason. But uh, August 1st, I'm turning that DFS switch on. We have a ton of great uh, preseason content coming on, up, a ton of, ton of great studies updating some great studies that the great Chris Raybon did back in the day. So <laughs> those will be updated uh, on 4 for 4 um, and, and then just to cut a ton of, of draft and DFS content. So check it all out over there. Yes, sir. Always love it. 4 for 4 one of the best uh, sites. So be sure to check TJ out there. Um, you can find Sean uh, on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out uh, our fantasy draft kit at actionnetwork.com and download the Action Network app to track uh, all your bets, all your futures, uh, and see what we're betting on as well. Um, that is going to do it for our wide receiver one pod. We'll have Matt Harmon on uh, for wide receiver two, so be on the lookout for that early next week. Let's get this money!